0: Welcome to The Hype Within, exploring journeys of authentic leadership and growth. On the show, tech leaders will share their stories of developing their leadership skills and challenges they faced along the way. You'll learn about their approaches to self-reflection and personal growth and how they've been able to build a foundation of authenticity that has propelled them to success. I'm your host, Hanna Jakover, B2B marketing leader turned leadership and executive coach. Are you ready to get hyped up? Let's dive in. Okay, hello leaders. Welcome back to The Hype Within. I am here today with Candice Bristow, and she is a seasoned HR leader who is experienced in building equitable, inclusive, and diverse workplaces, something that we've really need like so much of in all spaces, particularly in tech, which is where she has worked recently. And one of our good friends, Kimmy, introduced us. So thanks, Kimmy. <laughs> Welcome. How are you, Candice?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today. I've really enjoyed a lot of our conversations prior to this recording. So I'm really happy to share my thoughts and wisdom and advice with your listeners.
0: Yeah, likewise, and I have learned a lot from Candice in the last few times that we've chatted already, and she's involved in so many amazing organizations, and yeah, she's a wealth of knowledge, so I'm just excited to hear and have you share your insights with the world or however many listeners we have. (laughs) All right, well, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit
1: about your journey? Absolutely. Absolutely. Unlike some people, I, you know, I kind of fell into HR, came out of school and wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I got right into agency life and began doing staffing for companies across the DMV area, tech companies, public sector, a lot of finance and accounting. And then I, you know, I spent a lot of, about five years or so doing that. And then I moved into contract recruiting. And then I finally made the leap into corporate recruiting and shortly thereafter into management and leadership. So it's been a really great ride. And over the last five, six years, I've really started honing in my craft on the DEI side and got to spend my last three years at my former company, really building that whole function up from the ground up. So I'm really proud of the work that I did there. And it's still continuing today. And I'm really proud of the people that are still supporting those efforts.
0: Amazing. And I'm really excited to chat with you about that in a little bit. Once we, you know, learn about who you are a little bit more, we'll dive into some of the DEI efforts that you just talked about. I'm curious, through all of this, what has evolved as your leadership
1: style? Yeah, that's a great question. I decided to become a leader because I never had leaders that cared about what I wanted to do, what I wanted to learn, how I wanted to grow, and how I could thrive under their tutelage. And so I decided that I would be the leader that I never got, right? I wanted to lead with empathy. I wanted to listen to people and hear their ideas We may not be able to execute on everything that you bring to the table, but let's talk about it. You know, that's how we innovate. That's how we move forward. And that's how we create new things by listening to multiple voices, the inclusion piece of it. And so that was very, very important to me as I began my journey as a leader, for sure. That's
0: great. And we were just talking about how leaders need to learn how to create spaces for people, And it sounds like that's something you really leaned into. And I'll clarify, I literally was like, so many leaders don't know how to create spaces for people. So there you go.
1: go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we forget that, yes, it is a job. Yes, there is work to be done. There are revenues to be made, products to be sold, services to be sold. But there are people behind all of that. And people come with, all kinds of different perspectives and cultures and education and experiences. And all of that is really important to figure out how you make their job work for them and for the company. It's a two-way street. And if you're not leaning into all the dynamics of any of your employees, you're really going to miss out on some really key information for the next major project that's coming down the road or maybe the future leader that's going to really do wonderful things for that department. So I thought it was just so incredibly important for me to make sure that I had an ear for them. I listened to the request. I tried to map those requests with what the company's goals and needs were as well, and try to make sure that they were had enough resources, enough training, enough education to do that work and be successful and feel really good about it, right? Because you only do well When you're proud about the work that you do. So I I think that that's way important. And if the work that we have isn't what's for you, let's figure out how to get you into another career path. Probably in the same company, potentially. If not, it's okay. But let's find a way to help you transition so you're happy and the company's still getting what they need from you.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think, too, it speaks to kind of the idea of there's Two influences in your life, the people or the things that you're like, I don't want to do that. And the people or the things that you're like, yes, I want to be. I want to be like that. I want to be that positive ripple effect, which it sounds like you went into that camp, which is fantastic. I did. But it also sounds like it stemmed from almost, you know, you said you didn't have leaders who did that for you. So, you know, you saw that and you decided, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to be that kind of leader. And I'm curious, maybe down the road or, you know, recently there's leaders that have created a space where they've really inspired you and influenced you. But through your career journey, where have you pulled influence and inspiration from?
1: Oh, I have pulled uh, inspiration from many, many, many leaders, many books. (laughs) But I would say that my inspiration actually comes from watching my parents in their careers right when they come home and or we'd be on the phone and they'll talk to me about their day and their employees my father was very instrumental in setting up mentorships for underrepresented children when he was working at the fda and under his leadership he was able to provide 30 40 people per year new opportunities and i really really love that about him and the way that he would listen to their needs of the employee and what they're looking to do and the opportunities that he would try to open doors for them, I thought that was really and truly inspiring. I think it's really important to lean on the people that you most respect and that you think, you know, that you care about because they actually are the ones guiding you through this.
0: No, I think it was beautiful, beautiful. And I love when people on this show and they they reference their parents as their greatest inspiration and influence and you know I hope that for everybody but that's not always the case so when you hear stories yeah when you hear those stories it's it's really inspiring and heartfelt and real and it's like that's that's your world like that's who little Candace was seeing every single day and that shaped you which I just think is so beautiful to think
1: about you know Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I know a lot of people would look to, you know, the big companies and the Oprahs of the world and the Michelle Obama's of the world. And I think that they are amazing, inspirational people. Absolutely. It's the people who aren't in the paper every day, it's the people who yeah. aren't on Instagram every day that are just doing things behind the scenes that are making opportunities available for people and lending an ear, giving a leg up, supporting them. Mm-hmm. I think important absolutely
0: yeah yeah that quote look for the people that are helpers look for the people that are helping and it sort of reminds me a little bit of that people that are making real everyday impact and like i don't know about oprah are we still in with oprah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> not sure but <laughs> yeah. yeah everyday people making impact in communities, with others, with other everyday people, just normal people making impact, I think is
1: is very inspiring to watch. Right, exactly. And I think also just reframing. I think a lot of times we often try to mimic what society says you should Mm -hmm. do, right? In terms of climbing the corporate ladder, be this manager, be this kind of leader. But I think you have to do what you feel is in your heart and your values, your ethics, how you live your life you need to match up with any consulting opportunity, any full time job or company you work for. Because if they don't sink, it's going to be really hard to be, you know, do that job well and yeah. um, be an active member and a productive member in that organization. So it's really important to be aligned with the type of company that you're working
0: hmm Yes. How wonderful would it be if everybody could just take some time to explore their passion and their values and their purpose so we could really lean into that. It breaks my heart every time I think about that. Like, I had the opportunity to do that. I'm very privileged to be able to do that. And I wish that everybody could pause and just spend some time on that and yeah, it makes me sad that like in our society, that's unacceptable because we have bills to pay. We have things to do. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, we do. But I think, again, if you redefine the constructs of your social life and what it means mm-hmm. to be successful, right? I think that's really important. Like what is success? And I think the pandemic, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter movement, I think all of these moments in time over the last four or five years have really reshaped, you know, employer experience and Mm -hmm. what you want for your career to be, what your journey is going to be, because now it's no longer just the, the, the normal journey. So many people have gone off and started these passion projects that have now become, you know, their day jobs, right? That's how they make their living. That's how they support their families. And they are so much happier for it too. It's not easy, but it's so much easier better for them in terms of the way they want to live their the lives they want to live.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it, yeah, it's not easy because you're so aligned with what you believe that you're supposed to be doing and where you can actually fulfill your potential. It's worth it. It's worth every minute, every tear, every, you know, second where you're like, I'm burning out. It's, it's worth it for sure. At least maybe that's just what I, I'm just going to keep telling myself that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it is worth it. I mean, I've been looking in the market for probably about four or five months now. I was recently laid off for my, my company and I've started really looking into my own passions about like travel and design And so I've really been delving into that. And sometimes there's this imposter syndrome. You're like, should I get back into HR and DEI? And I really have a passion for that work because it's what I've done my whole career. And it's it's not what I want to lose. But I also feel like I've put these other things on the back burner for so long that I kind of want to bring them up to the forefront a little bit more, too. And trying to figure out how to do that balance is really something that I'm working on. And it's super tricky And that whole imposter syndrome comes into play all the time, all the time. I'm better at giving advice to people than I am taking my own advice.
0: We all are. Oh my gosh, we all are. Because we're so aware of them. We're aware of them. We're working on them. And we've probably looked at all the resources and, you know, we, we understand what that fear looks like. And so it's easier to talk about it, but it's hard to take action. And actually do it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, like I talk about burnout all the time. And let me tell you, the times where I am on the brink of burnout, where I'm like, why didn't you listen to your own advice this week, Hannah? <laughs> Very true.
1: I often feel that way. I'm really big with putting up little posty notes all around. <laughs> I, you know, just like, you need to listen to this, or you're enough, or you can do that. Yeah. Got this. So I love putting little notes around here just to remind myself when I'm feeling like, oh, I can't go any further. But yes, you really can. Me too. Me too. I do post-it notes and just little
0: mementos, reminders of, you know, power, even if it's not a post-it that you write, a picture or token. I think it's important to have those all around your house and every day where you can see them.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, I have a mirror right, as I walk out my front door and it says, I am enough. So every day I go out, out. Every day I look in the mirror before I walk out the door. It just gives me that extra boost, right? Before mm-hmm. I go out the world.
0: Oh, I love that so much. And even if you don't say it out loud, you're probably reading it and subconsciously you're saying it. And That's so you're saying it every single time you walk out the door, which is so cool.
1: Every single time I go out the door.
0: every That's a great time. little hack. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned like this balance of thinking about your personal endeavors and passions and having to balance that with your professional growth. Yeah, I think that this is an area that so many people are challenged by. What is that balance? And everybody that I talked to, it's taken them to the point where they're in the C-suite. Like that is the length of their career where they're in the C-suite and they've just now kind of figured it out. Yeah. just now figured out what they need to maintain that balance of personal development and professional development. So I know you said you're working on it, but what are some of the things that maybe come to mind when you think about that balance that's important to you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think about things like what's most important to me in this moment, right? Where am I now? And where do I want to be? Like, where's my end goal? And I try mm-hmm. to make sure that I understand, like, where the things that I want to work on, the things, the the person that I want to be. And I set up small goals that I can attain over a period of time. That way I don't inundate myself. I find that what happens is that often we have this like long list of, oh, I need to go do this. I got to read this. I got to understand this. I got to go call these people. I need to update my resume. I have to it's just so many things that are happening, not to mention what's going on in your own personal life, in your home life. But I find that if I just say, these three things I'm going to get done today, these are the thing, And if I get them done, I have been productive. I have done what I needed to do. And I feel mm-hmm. like I moved the needle a bit, right? It's when you just like, I've got to get 20 things done today and you only look up and it's five o'clock and it, you've only gotten three things done. And you <laughs> self up a bit because I am notorious for doing that I've had to just scale that back and say just these three things if these three things get done your day is successful
0: that's such great advice I think that we trip over the to-do lists we like the idea of them because our brain likes to check off the little box and we get that little dopamine hit (laughs) (laughs) But in reality, it's not a long-term solution. And it's not something that makes us feel good in the end. It makes you feel good in the moment. But if you just focus on these three things, then at the end of the day, it's that delayed gratification.
1: (laughs) We have such a problem with that as humans. (laughs) Do we ever? Do we ever? I think that's the hardest thing about being a human is that, again, we're going back to social constructs. There's this immediate gratification that we expect to have you do this one thing and this is supposed to happen and again this is something I'm still learning I'm still absorbing every single day success and your goals and future idealistic things are done by small incremental things done consistently over time and I have to remind myself of that you know I can't just bang out some something and submit it and be like ah this is the award winning thing. I'm going to make a million dollars <laughs> off of it. No, I mean, it takes people years to get to their end goals sometimes. So mm-hmm. I would remember that, you know, the larger goals the big, this is what I want my life to be. It takes time and it takes baby steps. And you just have to remember if you get those three baby steps done every day, you're heading towards the finale and the finish line. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. People have these huge goals and they're overwhelmed by them. And I mean, it's exactly what you're talking about. What's a baby step? What's a baby step that you can take towards this instead of thinking about, oh, wow, this goal is so overwhelming. Like, how am I ever going to get there? I don't know where to start. Well, yeah, obviously, because it's way too big. It's way too grand. Mm -hmm. And you're here. And yeah, you just got to put one foot in front of the other.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's what happens as you progress up through to the C- C-suite. Now, not only are you looking at the strategy for a whole department, right? But now you're responsible for all of these lives and all of mm-hmm. these beings with all of their own issues and problems. <laughs> and it can be very daunting and very, very o- overwhelming. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really important to Again, this is why I say it's so important to listen to the people on your team, right? Spread out the work. You can't own everything. That's another thing. Give people the opportunity to shine. Pass Mm -hmm. down the torch. It does not make you less of a manager. It doesn't mean that you aren't shining just as bright. The fact that your people can do well and other people are raving about the people on your team means you're doing something right. And I yeah. think some managers get a little intimidated by that when they hear all the praises about their own their employees from other people, but they're not necessarily hearing it about themselves. But the higher you go, the less you're gonna hear that, right? Yeah. You know, so so your joy and your success and satisfaction with being in that role should come from the fact that your team is like nailing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's shifting that motivator to with external validation to this like internal feeling of joy and excitement and knowing that you're having that impact, which I think is huge for people. I think all leaders should maybe work on the agency side because, you know, you get used to being behind the curtain. That's where I started my career. And Mm -hmm. you just get so used to it. You are the one rolling up your sleeves, developing the strategy, doing all of the hard work, doing the presentation, making sure that like, that team can embrace whatever it is that you're trying to get them to implement and if it's successful, you don't get anything for the- you don't get I mean you might get like a one-on-one thank you or but like, even sometimes it's like on to the next thing and you get very used to the joy that I experienced or like my motivator was knowing that my client knew how to bring something to their stakeholder, present it, execute on a program and be successful and understand the results and that the data. And that was where I I got my joy. It wasn't from seeing their campaigns be successful and then them giving credit to our agency. That just doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> right. I did that for sure. Yeah. And when, when you know that whatever you've put out in the world through yourself or through your team that the recipients of that information or that scenario, when they come back to you and say, wow, you made me look at things different. You made Mm -hmm. it differently. I have a new respect for this, or I really like that idea and it made me think of some other things that to me is definitely a motivator. You know, why, why your own personal pleasure? I, you know, I think it's, I think life is all about giving versus always receiving.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Even just this conversation, it brings me to think about just the interconnectedness that we have as humans. I believe that's really our purpose is to help others to be in spaces where we are contributing to healing or growth or, you know, everybody has their own way of that, their own skills that they bring to that but that is really why we're all here and it's not about the external validation all of that is fake it's all fake I ask this to people all the time like do you know by yourself can you generate a feeling of love Mm. instead of just thinking about love can you generate a feeling of love for yourself within your body and feel it within your body And to get, it's hard to get to that point. It took me years to be able to just like generate that feeling or emotion of love within my body. When you get to that point, you don't care about so much of the external and you're grateful for the exchanges that you have with other people that you can also receive that feeling of love. It's just more meaningful, you know? Yeah, but anyways, I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's a great tangent because it dovetails very well into like just the work from an HR perspective, from a DEI perspective, and even like as I'm, you know, branch out to other things like being a travel advisor. The want and the need to have people like you and come and look at all the things that you're doing because of social media, right? Is mm-hmm. That's an extrinsic thing, right? But that's not really what we're hoping for. We're hoping that we can provide you with something that's going to make you feel happier, empower you, enlighten you, make you change course on something that you you needed to change course on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the good and the bad of being on socials, right? Is that, you know, you, you like that love from everybody else, but really it's like, no, I want to teach you something. I want you to be aware of something. And the more people that see it and have that awareness, maybe and hopefully the better people we can be, whether it's a leader, whether it's a parent, whether it's a sibling, whatever it may be. But that's the hope.
0: Yeah, which is a good hope to have. Everybody hang on to it. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about your DEI work and get into that. And one thing that I wanted to call out and have a discussion around is just like at the time that we're recording this there is a lot of violence a lot of distress in the world there's a lot of innocent humans dying at the hands of the military industrial complex I mean we could talk all day about like the systems and the structures and like all of that but I feel like there have been so many moments in my career where I've been personally affected by some of the global events or even the nationwide events, you know, thinking about George Floyd, really when BLM picked up, when you started seeing companies make statements and post pictures and we started seeing support groups being formed, you know, but I individually and I I hear this from others all the time, particularly if they are black or person of color. I didn't feel supported in those moments and I was really disappointed by the leadership that I was, you know, currently at my at the employer that I was at. And again, like I hear that from others all the time and then COVID, right? Even during COVID, like how traumatic COVID was for people and and kids home, everybody's home trying to learn, trying to work. Like just this last I don't know, what has it been 5 years and now we're at this point where I don't think anybody's healed from that trauma, right? And here we are in a place where it's compounding. There's even more and there's more violence. We have this occupation in Gaza and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to watch what's going on in the world. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm watching people complain about leads and SDRs. And I'm like, what? This is what we're talking about because people shut down, right? They shut down and they go numb and they're just like on this autopilot. And I just want to talk about as a leader, how do we face these moments? How do we create spaces for team members to express and feel and grieve in these times? Because I don't see a lot of that happening right now. And it's kind of disappointing.
1: Yeah, I can only speak about my own experiences when things are happening with the pandemic and George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. And, you know, I was fortunate to be with an uh, with organization that allowed me the space that I needed. Some people had children and obviously, I mean, multiple young children, and they're all at home. Everybody's trying to work and it, it just became too much. And so the company I was with just happened to let people, you know, work half part time Well, like, Mm -hmm. it's much just to get acclimated, right? Because it's a whole new lifestyle, right? Everybody's piled in the house on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Got to worry about computers for those kids. They're not in school. What are you doing with them? Because they're not going to daycare anymore. And now you're trying to deal with the dog and the children (laughs) and work. And it was just so much. So I was very fortunate to be with an organization that was very compassionate about that. I've had other friends who weren't. It was same thing day in, day out, no space to actually have conversations around like how things in the world are impacting them, how their day-to-day mm-hmm. lives are impacting them and how it does impact the work and what they you know, what do you need to make sure that you can still do your work and be productive, but to get the space and the time you need to heal and be there for your own family. That's been a hard juggling act for a lot of companies, I think. Really hard juggling act. But I think what's proven is that people are resilient, right? And they're still productive. People were still productive throughout the entire pandemic. So it's just a matter of reimagining how people can do the work from all different spaces. And then Mm -hmm. how do we still have this connection, right? How do we still be able to connect as human beings on a one-to-one level and not always just be about the work.
0: Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I can't help but wonder is, were people still as productive because that's just how we've all been socialized and our definition of productivity is output-based and money-based and would we still be considered productive if we were given the space to heal and grieve? And you know what I mean? I think so. I mean,
1: at the end of the day, you know, I always, (laughs) it's funny. I I feel like people got more work done working from home than they did (laughs) in an office because literally most people are in an office, let's say nine hours a day. There's the, hey, let's go get coffee. Hey, let's go Mm -hmm. get lunch. Hey, let's stop in the hall and talk for 20 minutes (laughs) because you're on a totally different floor and I never see you. So, like between meetings and the actual work being done is probably like a few hours a day, you know? Okay. Whereas if people working from home or, where they may not work a normal nine to five, they find that productive space, that time that's free for them where their mind is clear and they're able to get the space with energy mm-hmm. just bang out the work that's necessary. So I think it just changed how we did it, right? And I think employers... And companies began to see it doesn't have to be the typical because people will still be productive.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious because in your DEI work and like through all of this, I'm sure you had leaders come to you and be like, what do we do? You know, like how how do we approach this? How do we create spaces? How do we keep our employees productive through all of this? Yeah. Like, and that's really interesting to me because I feel like there's this Foundation of DEI work that has to be done, and things, processes, and and things that you have to put in place. But then, shit happens, you know. Like George Floyd, he got murdered. That happened. That exploded. What's going on right now in Gaza? And these moments happen, and so you have to have some sort of plan. Or some sort of moment where you pause and you say, what do we do right now for both of those foundationally and for these moments that strike us and they just sort of happen and they're in our face? What are the recommendations to make sure that we're not just leaning into kind of like the performance and the buzzwords and keep working, you know, keep being productive, like actually helping our humans?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, it starts with your benefits, right? Do you have the right benefits to support your workforce? And that that means, mm-hmm. are they able to go see a therapist if they need it? Do they have coaching available if they need it? I think it's very important that if the right benefits aren't in place for people to take advantage of them, that's first and foremost. I mean, Second, it's socializing all the time. If you need space, take it. Talk to your manager, managers, leaders. Give your people space and have an open door so they feel comfortable to come to you to say, I'm having a moment and I need some time to get myself together. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, how can I help you with that? What's going on with your work? How can we do some different things? How much time do you need? How do you think we can structure this so that you're still able to be engaged what's happening but still get the space you need. I mean it's these types of conversations. it's like just really frank conversations that you have to have almost is like they're your friend. I know people aren't friends but you we have to treat people with respect and with courtesy and ask them what they need to be productive and do the mm-hmm. and get them done.
0: I think one of the greatest gifts that your employer can give is that space. To do whatever you need to do, to process, to heal, whatever is. But then I also think we need continued conversation. It can't just be like take this space this one time, and we're not going to talk about it ever again. You
1: know? well, as a leader, it's like anything else. Like if 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 they have a work product, you're following up on that work product on your one-on-ones. You should be having one-on-ones every week with your with your your people. And you're following. Not only you following up on their work product or things that are happening, but I also think it's a good time to check in and say, "How you doing? How's Mm -hmm. life? You know, things still good with you? You okay? Anything going on at home that's different? You know, is your space right? Are you getting the information you need to do your job effectively?" You know these are the kind of conversations that we should should have in our one-on-ones and i know it touches a little bit on the personal but again we are humans we are people it has a little bit personal right it can't just be work 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 so yeah i think that it's important that during those one-on-ones if if there was a situation last week we are touching base every couple weeks so they're out of that and then maybe a couple months later you follow back up you remember it when you remember it people appreciate you they're loyal to you that you actually sure. remember your circumstance and you remember to follow up and say hey how are things going you know are things okay is there anything i can do are you still happy in, in the role or is, there, is something going on that we need to make some adjustments to just ask mm-hmm. a question sometimes you may not be able to do anything you just you just can't you know for whatever reason but the fact that you asked and that you're trying to brainstorm on ways to provide solutions and resources to that person goes a long way, goes really, really long.
0: Yeah. Maybe this ties into your experience of building that DEI function from the ground up. But what about some of those foundational things where, you know, sometimes it's not in our best interest to go away and just like put a blanket over our head you know I think that human connection and discussion those conversations are healing and that's sort of how we're supposed to heal right like obviously you need time to feel your emotions and do some internal processing but then coming back and having conversations where everybody is sort of on the same page and aligned with I don't know whether it's a social movement or just thinking about how we're looking at DEI and what that means in your experience building this function, were you creating spaces in organizations where people could go and have those
1: conversations too? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is why we have employee resource groups. People call them things mm-hmm. affinity groups, you know, ESG groups. But I think it's it's important. That there are those spaces where people who have like in culture, like in race, like in philosophies, like in views, mm-hmm. allies, supporters, being able to come together in a space and just have really candid, open conversations about how they're feeling, things they are seeing, questions they, they, they want to ask other people to get their feedback, because that keeps you connected to not only the people that you have to work with every day because, again, it makes them look like not just a, a work person. They are a colleague now, right? They're not just a person across the hallway that you have to go to for that data point, right, for your presentation. You know, they are somebody that you care about, is somebody that you respect, and hopefully you like them, and you're able to share these really intimate experiences with them about how you're feeling about what's going on in the world today and Mm how you feel and how it makes you show up for work, right? Because all these things impact how we show up every single day at your job, whether it's with your family, with your friends, even coming to this video today, (laughs) how we show up. And I think when you have those groups, specifically have those groups, it keeps people connected to the company, it's them that the company cares because it's giving them people, resources, time and space to talk about things that aren't just work related because it's yeah. not always about the work. And I, I think as a leader, you have to give your employees that time and space to participate in those things. It helps them with their with their growth. It helps them with their mental And it also helps them get to know other people across the company that they may not always work with, right? And it might lead to new opportunities, you know, for them to try out and maybe stay with the company when they may have been thinking about leaving, right? So I always encourage employee resource groups because what other forms do we have at a company for people to come together as groups and share in that kind of fashion?
0: Yeah, yeah. I hope we start seeing more of just like that human side from organizations and having it just more blended together, you know, because you mentioned earlier, like some things are so personal in a one-on-one, but like we are, we're people. I'm not going to separate who I am at work and who I am at home. And I did like, I did that for a long time. I'm sure you did too. Like we all have for sure. Yeah, like I hope we move into a space where that's just the norm. Where okay, we know we're going to have a week that is full of very different discussions. It's not going to be about the product release. It's not going to be about the newsletter. Like we're going to discuss what's going on in the world because we want to make sure that people are connecting and healing, learning and um just giving the space to be productive in that sort of way in that sort of human growth kind of way
1: absolutely absolutely i think that's what has made life in the work like this remote hybrid type of working very interesting because you know now we have to talk and connect through cameras and mm-hmm. it now that's like the normal thing to do everybody's used to it now before, yeah before it was so scary People are like, is my makeup right? Is all my glasses right? You know, is my hair, right? What's going on? But now it's like every day for us. And it, we've learned to adapt. This is why we, humans are so wonderful because we continue to adapt to our scenarios, right? We have mm-hmm. or we will die, right? It, it's called survival. So as long as there's that still that ability to interact and connect an emotional, intimate way, in a personal way, even with colleagues and managers and leaders, I think it's incredibly important. It's not, you know, these are the new water cooler moments, right? These are the new coffee break moments. And I think we should take full advantage of them. Mm -hmm. And also, I think leaders need to make sure too, that when they do have time with their people that they let them know flat out. I just want to shit shit with you. I just want to get to know you as a person. You know, I don't want yeah. work right the second. Let's just enjoy it. Right. You don't have to get super personal, but just hobbies, interests, you know, even if it's interest, I mean, anything other than the day-to-day product launch or what's going on with that presentation. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, and it builds that trust, that psychological safety, and it also, like, cues in that leader to, oh, I should reach out to this person today because I know that they're passionate about this thing. I know something about their family or something that they're connected to. So, like, you already you already are being proactive because you're thinking about that person because you know them better because you've taken the time to actually build that relationship.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know I, I think back to a person that I managed for about three or four years, and we had a rough road. We really did because they had been socialized in one way of managing and thinking. And I came in and I completely changed it up and they were like, I don't know what's going on. I was like, well, I need you to think outside the box, right? <laughs> You and I are both black and white thinkers. So we both have to think out of the box, right? And not make it too complicated for everybody else. You know, we have to make sure whatever we're doing and creating, we're going to get people to buy in. We simplify things and we don't make it so analytical. And it took her such a long time to like get through that. But once she understood it and then she got more confidence and when I left, It's like you have to apply for my job. You are going to be an amazing manager because you've learned so much. And it took a minute, but she finally applied and she got the job and she's doing a fabulous job and has already been promoted. So amazing. Yeah. You know, you just have to like hold on, like lean into people. You know, when people are passionate about something, even though they might be going down the wrong track with the passion. If you could just give them a little bit of room to like course correct and get back on and kind of look at things differently. It's amazing the type of people that will be built from that and how they will continue their own journeys. And, and it makes you feel really good to see how they're doing mm-hmm. and how they're doing.
0: Yes, oh my gosh, the best feeling. And that goes back to that motivation, right? It feels good to watch people that you've connected with and worked with to be successful and that's that like intrinsic motivation that we all need to get to
1: absolutely absolutely i mean to me it's like why do the work i mean we all need a paycheck yes not you know without question we all need a paycheck but if if you're going to lead people don't do it for yourself you gotta lead people because you want something better for them mm, mike drop <laughs>
0: Well, I know we are getting close to our time, but this has been a lovely discussion. I'm wondering what resource or experience or advice would you like to leave the listeners with? These are leaders, up and coming leaders who are high performers and they want to do the job, but they want to show up as themselves.
1: I would say be authentic to yourself. You know, know who you are, know what you stand for, know what your values are. And if you can follow those, I think they don't steer you wrong, right? They take you where you want to go. That doesn't mean it won't be hard. It doesn't mean that you won't meet with resistance. Doesn't mean mean that you won't meet with setback either. But if you keep pushing ahead, eventually you will get to where you want to be. I also say you can't do it alone. Can't do it in a bubble. You've got to network. You've got to talk to people. I am a true, true, true believer that it's always about who you know because people have so much information and so much so many resources that they don't even know about so Mm -hmm. trying to do it on your own is not not good i say the more people you talk to and you get information from them about the sectors they're in and the work that they're doing and it helps you kind of define who you more about what you like and what you want to be and how you want to get there And you never know, those people might be a reference for you for the next job or have that next job opportunity for you. So I always say open yourself up to lots of different networking. Open up your heart. Definitely open up your heart. Lead with empathy and uh, show people respect. Love
0: it. Wonderful advice. (laughs) (laughs) I so appreciate you. And I have valued our new connection and our conversations now and previous to this and I can't wait to have more and I wish you all the best and thank you so much for being
1: on. Thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate it. This has been wonderful and yes, I love our connection and want to continue with it and I wish you so much success uh, with your new endeavor and with the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode I hope you walk away with something empowering that you can take into your own leadership journey are you a high performing executive looking to take your career to the next level or maybe you're an emerging leader who wants to develop the skills you need to advance in your role and show up authentically or maybe you're experiencing burnout and struggling to find a better work-life balance whatever your situation is one-on-one coaching can help you achieve your personal and professional goals. If you're interested in experiencing the power of coaching for yourself, head on over to hypehousecoaching.com backslash start coaching now, where you can set up a one-on-one leadership and executive coaching intro session for free. Remember, the only hype that really matters is the hype within.